I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I took my photos today with my Halloween costume on, and I just want to crawl under a rock and just lay there because I'm so embarrassed. I'm mortified. I don't want these photos to see the light of day, but I want to win the contest. So I like spent so much time fixing the photos, photoshopping the photos, <laughs> like trying to be as extra as possible to win the costume contest. For those who don't know, me. Jessica has a costume contest at her job and she is <laughs> dressing up or she did dress up as Ellen Ripley yes. from <laughs> Alien. Yeah. And she did an entire <laughs> photo shoot and everything. <laughs> It was great. She shared it in our group text amongst our friends. Yes. Um, the photos will not be going anywhere because, again, I just, they're so embarrassing. I can't, I can't put them anywhere. You, you got to do one. No. You got to do no. one. Just no. one. You really do. All right. Here we go. I'm turning red. Okay. You're go. turning red. Okay. So we're, well, we're here to talk about today. Uh, we're recording this slightly earlier, even though you're listening to it almost pretty much at the normal time that you would listen to this anyway. Uh, we are here to review a new movie, a new Edgar Wright movie. Now, before we get started on that review, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, because that goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And so today we are going to talk about, like I mentioned, Edgar Wright's newest film, Last Night in Soho. Uh, Jessica, why don't you go ahead and let us know what this movie is all about? IMDb synopsis reads, a young girl passionate about fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it seems, and time seems to be falling apart with shady consequences. <laughs> <laughs> wow that is that's wow. a description that is the i'm sorry and that is the letterbox description oh, is what bad. i meant oh. to type i never did that uh that was my fault but yeah that was letterbox's description of the movie uh this movie is directed by edgar wright he is the director of such films as the cornetto trilogy which is Shaun of the dead hot fuzz and at world's end He's also the director of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, one of my favorite movies, and Baby Driver. Baby Driver was his latest before this one. Uh, why don't you go ahead and let us know the rest of the details of this movie? We have, well, it's written by Edgar Wright and Christy Wilson Carnes. Cairns? I think it's uh, Cairns. Okay. I think. It stars Thomason McKenzie as Eloise, Anya Taylor-Joy as Sandy, Matt Smith as Jack, Terrence Stamp, and Diana Rigg. So this movie is, from the time of recording, we don't have a box office since we saw it before it even got released. So that's why we're not giving you any box office, but uh, we'll see how it does. It is coming out on Halloween weekend. 
Uh, now, critics-wise, it received a 73%. Not exactly very high, especially for Edgar Wright. Most of his mm-hmm. movies are much higher than that. But so far, at, at time of recording, 94% audience score. Oh. Which is hmm. pretty high. But then again, there aren't that many audience score reviews yet as a time of recording. So that number could change by the time this episode comes out. And the critics' consensus reads as follows. Although it struggles to maintain its thrilling early momentum, Last Night in Soho shows flashes of Edgar Wright at his most stylish and ambitious. So, Jessica, now that we got the preamble out of the way, what did you think of Last Night in Soho? Didn't like it. Very straightforward. <laughs> Very straightforward. Uh, there was a clear point where I was like, oh, no, this is this is taking a downward turn. And it never let up. Like, it didn't improve at that point. So that's my general feeling. I didn't like it. I don't want to watch it again. I will not recommend it. So this movie, I also was not a fan of. I think we discussed briefly that you checked out of the movie mentally much earlier than I did. Yeah. I felt like the movie kind of lost me pretty much near the end versus Mm -hmm. you got lost much earlier in the movie. Uh, This is an interesting one because I think this feels like Edgar Wright's first foray out of comedy. He has done genre bending stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, He loves like, for example, Shaun of the Dead is zombie comedy. Hot Fuzz, action comedy, and At World's End is sci-fi comedy. So comedy seems to be the key thing that he does. making him work, yeah. And his style of directing really lends itself when he uses those creative, uh, quick editing that he does. I love the way he uses transitions in other movies like Scott Pilgrim and Hot Fuzz. Uh, just the way camera cuts really fast, his use of music, and in this movie as well, his use of music is very well done, has a purpose. Um, it's not just like, oh, let me select the most popular song and just right. place it over. <clears throat> there is intent behind it, and you can see that intent in this movie and in previous movies. With all that said, the fact that this movie is not a comedy, this is a straight up, you know, like a horror thriller. Um, I don't think it works. I, it didn't work for him. I, you can see like moments of his style in there, but it doesn't quite feel like an Edgar Wright movie. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is yeah. because it's not a comedy. You don't get like these ticks that you see when you watch an Edgar Wright film. There's certain ways that jokes are delivered or certain dialogue is delivered when you're watching a movie of his that this one did not really have because Mm -hmm. he's not leaning into the comedy aspect. So that is a minus for me. And I don't know if he has his footing. Uh, In terms of acting performances, I think Anya Taylor-Joy is really good in the movie. Uh, But outside of that, even Thomas and Mackenzie, I just had a problem with mostly everybody. They weren't (laughs) grabbing me like to really engage with them. They just seem so awkward. She seems awkward. The voice that she put out throughout the movie, like this really mousy uh, London or, you know, English accent, British accent, uh, was 
at times annoying or it was sometimes so grating. grating or even at times it was hard to understand what she was saying. Uh, so little things like that. So the only captivating performance that I found throughout the movie was Anya Taylor-Joy. And she's not really a main character. No. <laughs> Although the movie does try to sell her like the trailers and the marketing does try to sell her like she's like equal footing with Thomas and McKenzie. But this is really a Tom- Thomas and McKenzie movie yeah. with Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. So th- those are a couple of things. Maybe another thing that I, I, I guess I don't like is the fact that I'm not a big horror guy. So this could work for horror fans because there are horror elements in this, almost like supernatural vibes in a way. Uh, And maybe that's why it doesn't work for me, just because I'm not as big in that genre as other people are. So that could be another reason why I didn't like it. And you're not a big horror person either. So that could be another thing. I just don't think that he understood or knew where the story was going to end. Mm. Oh, if that makes okay. any sense. Yeah. So the plot, like you have your trailer, which is like, okay, she's somehow transported to the 1960s. It seems like they were like, oh, we like the concept of The Shining, like the actual, um, not Shining like the movie. I mean, Shining like um, the ability. Got it. I see what you're saying. And they were like, let's take that and then let's do more like a time traveling midnight in Paris type deal. Okay. With the 1960s in London, which is like glitz, glamour, a whole different vibe. Shagadelic. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just didn't know like (laughs) how to end it. So they and had the I concept I, down. Yes. They just didn't have the They were finish. like, we love the visuals. The visuals were not the issue. It was literally like the plot. Yeah. And how it resolved. Yeah, it didn't resolve in a satisfactory way. That it, it lost me there. Um towards it the It was MP- like heading into like lame territory. Like I was like, this is lame. Mm, oh, okay. Gotcha. This is really dumb. Okay. So it didn't uh, scare yeah. me. At, no, at, no. Know, it, once I checked out and I checked out kind of early, I'll tell you when I checked out on in the spoiler section. But I was like, okay, nothing is really scaring me. And the only thing that was scaring me was jump scares. <laughs> yes, the jump scares. There were two jump scares. <laughs> yeah, two good ones. <laughs> but I was like, but ah, still. yeah. Um, I think that this movie is going to be forgotten very quickly. Yes. I think so. This is going to be those ones where when people mention Edgar Wright, they won't mention this one right away. This will be just like a forgotten one. I, speaking of Thomas and McKenzie, she is the scream queen in this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, that type of archetype of character. Um, I like her in other things that I've seen. I Like I've seen her in old. We saw her in old. Uh, I've seen her in, oh man, I'm going to blank on the name of this movie, but I'll get it back in a second. I really liked her performance in this particular movie. Uh, once, once I get it down, I'll let you know, but I feel like there's promise there as an actress. Uh, it's just wasn't materialized here. She's great in Jojo rabbit as well. 
Uh, she and Leave No Trace. That's the movie that I I saw her in. Leave No Trace from 2018, and with Ben Foster. Great movie. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I would I would highly recommend it. So she has a lot of promise, but this movie didn't really take advantage of that. I don't think so. So it was a yeah. Let's get into it though. Okay. I really so, feel like we're. We'd rather just talk it out. All right. That's <laughs> in spoiler no, section. No problem. Before we do, what did you give this movie as a score? At Two a five. And a half. Two and a half as well for me. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Okay. We both uh, settled at the same score. So two and a half out of five for the both of us. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about spoilers for Last Night in Soho right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see Dan. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so we're going to go ahead and talk spoilers for Last Night in Soho. Jessica, is there a certain place you want to start? Let's talk about these two characters. So Eloise and Sandy, that's Thomas and Mackenzie's character and Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, Thomason's Eloise is very shy, very closeted, very, um, naive, super naive. Like she comes to London thinking that she can like fend off all the bad men that live in London as her grand says. And she immediately is like telling her life story to the taxi cab driver and yeah. you're just like, why are you telling him where, where exactly you're going? What exactly you're doing? Like, it's so dumb. Like, because she's just she being is really a stupid. child. Pretty yeah. Much. So she's quickly like realizing that London is really big and maybe she's too small. Yeah. Now, it's a fish out of water story in a way. Fish out of water story. New, new, new in town story. <laughs> new in town. Okay. <laughs> Mulaney, Mulaney joke aside. Um, and her character is obviously the horror tropey virgin who's going to be the final girl, so to speak, because yeah. she's not engaged in any sort of, um, sexual misconduct or whatever. And the character of Anya Taylor-Joy Sandy is the exact opposite, right? She's very outgoing. She is super confident and she's beautiful, like conventionally beautiful. And she is more risque and forward with um, sexual advances, right? Yeah. So you're automatically like, okay, if Thomas, like Eloise is inhabiting Sandy in her dreams, then it's a kind of a weird dynamic that He's going with the tropes and against the tropes because something is going to happen per the trailer to Sandy and Eloise is like, she can't go down with the ship because she's not supposed to. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Playing against genre cliches almost, but also working within them. Right. So but yeah, something has like to give. How, something has to give. So like, where's the twist, you know? Um, the shining that she has is never quite 
like explained at all what her gift thank is. you that's that and is that a was question. very confusing for me i thought they were gonna eventually get into like how does she have this or was it gonna be supernatural or right something like that Even but no. like the shining movie like mm-hmm. the kubrick movie has a minute where uh doc talks to danny and he's like can you see this do you feel like this do you feel you know and kind of describes what The Shining is in very simple terms so that right. the kid can either say yes or no. And then the audience also understands what these two have in common. But in this case, you don't get a very simple explanation or any explanation at all for what Eloise is experiencing and how did these powers come when her mother died? Did she always have them like what why is the grand so chill about it does she also have the shining i'm just calling it the shining for 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 you know easy ease. yeah but it was not it wasn't explicit and i don't think that it was as simple as she sees dead people you know no because then <sighs> because she does see her mom she does so see like, her okay, mom does but she, she also see sees she sees the dead people that were killed or the okay she sees the men she sees the men that haunt sandy yes yes so i don't i don't know if that's a supernatural gift that she has or if it's something in her mind or because they do make a reference that her mother uh did kill herself right and she, she had, had struggling with mental illness and then committed suicide and something about the city like swallowed her and yeah and something. so i don't know if her mom had the same thing like the yeah, same issue or something but yeah i wish but it was why explained. does she but why does she go back in time to 1960s london is it because she just really admired and wanted to that's what she was it living feels in the wrong like. decade. Because and she, so when she got to this room, which had all of these memories, her gift just, I mean, transported her. I'm so confused. Like, why all of a sudden is she being transported? It feels and reliving like, Sandy's life. Right. Because it does feel like she is enamored with that time based on early on like listening to vinyl records and it's all music from like the 60s so she has like this vision of what london is or supposed to be in her mind versus what it really is and it's modern time i don't know why that would be something that someone of her age a person going to college would be enamored with uh 1960s london um it that just doesn't really click with me i don't know why that would be like i can understand if maybe you were obsessed with something of your your mother's generation you know because a lot of times people are influenced by how they grew up and how they were raised so maybe like her mom's generation like you know 80s or 90s i understand that but i see what you're saying but i also just don't feel like her gift is enough to make her be transported in such no, a way. Every no, day. it's it's not enough. You're was right. it like a supernatural deal happening just with that room that she was renting? That's what it feels like. Like the area is just infested with um, s- 
spirits energy and like she just walked right into it and it was like let me take you on a journey like I'm confused I'm so confused about the mechanics of it and not that I want to play by play but there was nothing like no explanation whatsoever yeah um yeah so that's a big fault of the movie that was a big fault of the movie to just like okay here's be it be amazed by our so vivid accurate representation recreation of the 1960s and you know is she really there you know it's they just wanted to like bamboozle you so i had a thought though and i wanted to see what you what you think about it the movie kind of splits its time between these two eras right and Obviously, you and I don't really know as to why it spends its time in 1960 unless that was the way to get to the end game of the story, which was that the woman that she's staying with is the actual killer and is Sandy. Like, that's the only reason that I can come up with that it was tied to the 1960s is because she was staying in the same house that Sandy lived in. And that was Sandy's place. And that is not a good way to explain away how that power comes about, you know, and why it's so significant to be in the 1960s. It's not a good way because if that's how they got there, because it's like, well, we got to somehow tie the story in. Well, we could just make it that Sandy is the old woman played by Diana Rigg. And she was, you know, she didn't really get killed. You know, it, it's a mystery. That was another twist. Okay. That Okay. <clears throat> I don't, we don't know the answer. We're just going to chalk it up to, you know, what Rico said. And the room is just infested with spiritual It's what energy. I, I gather, yeah. It was like a wormhole back to the 1960s. Um, <clears throat> I do want to jump in to the, the plot twist that you just talked about, which was that... The whole movie, you're expecting Matt Smith to be the murderer, to have killed Sandy, because mm-hmm. that's what she sees. That's what the trailers imply. And that's not the case. Which, on top of that, there's another character in the movie mm-hmm. played by Terrence Stamp. Stamp, sorry. Terrence Stamp. Uh, and he is the older gentleman who roams around London. Mm-hmm. And the movie tries to get you to buy that that is Jack now. Like... Matt Smith in the 60s. He's a MacGuffin. Yeah, he is the MacGuffin of the movie. So is Matt Smith. Yeah, they're the red herrings of the movie. And they want you to believe that this is the man who, uh, you know, did the the murders back in the the 60s, murdered Sandy. Mm -hmm. But the way they, like, trick you with the camera and everything and the way it it looked. So it it wasn't Sandy being killed. It was Jack being killed. Yeah. And then so, they continue by showing that Sandy killed all the men that she took back to her room. So at some point in the movie, they started, she, Eloise started getting haunted by all of these faceless, scary looking men who were obviously the gentleman callers who were um, uh, having sex with Sandy. Yep. Paying to have sex with Sandy. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. What what do you call those? I know what a prostitute is, but what what are the people that go to see prostitutes? Is there a name for that? I don't think so. 
Well, that sucks. We should create one. Just create a name for the people who go seeking yeah. prostitutes? Yeah. There's probably a name. I just, I don't want to type that into my <laughs> Google search. You're like, I don't want to mess up my Google searches. No, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to do that. Anyway, okay. But yeah, so, so these men. Anyway, so these men start uh, terrorizing Eloise. Yep. And it becomes fairly evident that like, why, what's going on with these guys? Why are they attacking Eloise and finding ways to like scare her in her waking nightmares yeah and so that che- i checked out right you away checked so I like, what the hell are they i doing? didn't check out there i i was still trying to buy into the mystery as to what exactly is happening and why did it happen it just seemed very like i was like this is on its way down and i can't explain to you like the feeling of why mm-hmm. but Earlier this year, we actually watched a movie that had a similar thing happen. Um, what's that? The Little Things with Denzel oh, and Jared Leto. Yeah. Where all of a sudden, he um, Denzel gets haunted by is haunted by these women that he never um, like found their killer. Right. He he basically he has the guilt thrown upon him. That he was never, but they're able like physically them. manifested in front of him, and I'm like, this is dumb. Like we both, you can scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to us. We both thought that was lame, so it fell along the same lines as that. I agree. It I did like, feel. What yeah. is going on? Not a good, not a good way. Not a, it wasn't a good look, and it wasn't scaring me. And it was like too simple. I was like, there's something too simple about this that they're going to pull a rug out from under us and i didn't like that feeling because they were going hard for like 30 minutes with these stupid like ghosts coming after her right and you don't know they're ghosts and like they're physically attacking her they're physically attacking her and she's like getting knocked out in the street like it's like wild there was moments where i'm thinking like is this actually like really happening is there like some type of like interference like between the present world and like you know a supernatural yes, world exactly like we were talking before like why is the room why is the room special is the room special is that you know triggering her gift to go out spin out of control and i don't know why it busts through the room like why do the apparitions appear like in the street like you know what i'm saying yeah when she's not asleep yeah, they like appear in broad daylight. She's not following the pattern and still like they're appearing more and more. Yeah, it, it that doesn't. That was bothering me. Yeah, there was no explanation for it. No. Just like a visual. Yeah. Like we want to visually see her running away from these manifestations. But they didn't provide a good way to explain why they were showing up to begin with. So uh, let's let's talk about. I guess the whole Edgar Wright of it all, right? Oh, okay. Because I I feel that he's trying something here. And at least he's trying some stuff. So visual flair is there. So like, especially with the 60s, like the moments when he is focused on 1960s London, there's something very unique and very likable to see on screen about it 
Um, and he's getting some pretty good performances out of Matt Smith, Anya Taylor-Joy from that time. And there's even one person who shows up in this movie very briefly uh, from Hunger Games, Claflin. I believe Sam Claflin. You did. You got his name right. Sam Claflin. I couldn't remember his name in the theater. I was like, it's a guy from the Hunger Games. <laughs> yes. He was in uh, Catching Fire and another one. So <laughs> Sam Claflin shows up in the 60s time in that timeline and he's interacting with Anya Taylor Joy. And I'm just like, okay, why did you get this actor? Mm-hmm. here for this mm-hmm. role for so small it's such a small yes, role it's such a small role he doesn't come back and she doesn't take his advice no so i was wondering who what significance is he gonna play and i figured it out early that okay so terrence stamp's character is not jack it's got to no. be this guy it's got to be sam claflin's character oh you thought it was sam claflin and it was it was him what do you mean? What do you mean? You you missed that? What are you talking about? Oh my god, you missed it. Okay. So when Terrence Stamp is out on the street and he gets run over by the car, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're like saying, uh, it was Jack. He's, he's not Jack, and like they say his real name. He was a copper. Like he was a he was a cop. Oh, you're and then they sa- oh, Sam Claflin is Terrence Stamp. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, okay, got you. Yeah, I yeah, don't feel like that's very important at all to connect the two. The reason why I connected it so early on is that you don't just put in an actor of Sam Claflin who has lines of dialogue. I see. What outside you're of, hey, what's your name? Like, because that was the like common theme among the of th- uh, the different men is like, right. what's your name? That's a really pretty name. But he was different. He he had a different line. He he interacted with her. You should mm-hmm. not do this. Blah blah he blah. He cared about her. Yeah. So the fact that you have that person doing those lines, there has to be some significance that ties into the present. Okay. So that's how I, I figured you. it out. I got you. Like that. Early on. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a surprise to me, but I I get how they're trying to make it a surprise. It was too easy for Terrence Stamp to be Jack. So I was like, that's not the case. It, yeah, um, you're right. I did miss the second half of that, which was Sam Claflin equals Terrence Stamp. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is like, neither here nor there at this point. But um, let's talk about Matt Smith. So I feel like Matt Smith in this role, I feel like somebody else could have done it. Yes. Yeah. He was per- like fine, but not remarkable so i can't speak too much on on matt smith because i don't really oh. know him that well oh well i know matt I smith from doctor who i never watched doctor who so that's oh. why i think that's where most people know him from so i i can't really give like an honest opinion about his performance because i just don't really know how to grade it amongst what he's done before oh i see okay. but in the in that role that role kind of is wasted it feels mm-hmm. like a nothing role almost mm-hmm. That's just a, a good way to put it just a very like cliche um guy who seduces a woman and then treats her badly after like there's right there's it it's a paint by numbers type of character it's like oh He's very sweet and charming at the beginning, but once he gets her under con- his control, he's very manipulative and very controlling and abusive. So, and that's a character that 
any pretty much anyone can play. Uh, so there wasn't much nuance to the character. So I think that um, the twist, there's one twist here is that Jack um, doesn't help her to become a singer. He nope. basically turns her into a prostitute. Yeah, he's her pimp. Yes, he's her pimp. Yeah, in 60s London. So I, how do I put this? The movie goes about it in a very direct way by painting him as the villain. Because not only did he supposedly kill her later on, but he dragged her into this life when she didn't want it. Yeah. She would never intended to be a prostitute. She was co- not coerced. She was manipulated and gaslighted into being a prostitute. He like was abusive toward her and all that stuff as you said. And so he's definitely a villain, right? Yeah. And the movie makes a point of also saying at the end that this character says Sandy says they deserved it. Right. And Eloise says I know they did deserve it. <laughs> they all deserved to die. Like every man that came to sleep with Sandy w- was like fair game to kill, essentially. Right. That's what the movie does say. But then they have a weird switch where we're now afraid of Sandy in her old age. Because she has just revealed she's a mass murderer. This this was a this was a problem that I had. This is a huge problem for me. So like, are we okay with her as a mass murderer? Are we supposed to be scared because now she's a threat to Eloise, like their little darling virginal Eloise? Or is it warranted that she's kind of lost her marbles, like because of her experiences? Like, I don't feel like the movie was heading in any direction to like answer any of these questions. It and was it just doesn't. like, haha, this is a it was meant to shock the audience. This is the rug being pulled out from under us. This is the twist ending at the end of this movie is that it wasn't Jack that was the killer. It was Sandy. Yeah, this was another thing that I was trying to figure out in my head and I'm I just not sure how they could think that they could rec- reconcile these two things right yeah all the men who are uh, like assaulting eloise in the streets of london and uh, holding her down f- in the t- in the very penthouse room so she can't dial 911 and then begging for help yeah and telling her to kill sandy like the these apparitions are lucid and telling her like please help me help us they're buried in the floorboards and in the walls like (laughs) what are we supposed to think are we supposed to side with the ghosts that were terrorizing her for 40 minutes or are we supposed to side with sandy who apparently was okay like (laughs) she gets a free pass to murder all these people like i'm so so confused the movie does no good job of being able to point out what its real theme is. Yes. You know, you have three different themes going on at the same time and none of them are coherent enough at the end. Like it it sends a mixed message. 
it's sending mixed messages and I hated it. Yeah. I, and then it was tacky. Like the guys <laughs> suddenly, the ghost suddenly having, um, can speak and you're just like, okay, Help what? Me. Yeah. Help me. <laughs> kill her and then Eloise is like no <laughs> what because there was that bond of woman to woman type of thing but again but again like uh, <laughs> it, is it justified like I don't know personally I don't think so I don't think so <laughs> I do not think so people People could do what they want, and obviously, if if you wanna if you wanna go and you know pay for sex, whatever. But does that mean that like you deserve to die? <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. And this movie is trying to make you side with Eloise, who's siding with Sandy, because the movie's not explicitly telling you to side with Sandy. It's trying to get you to root for Eloise to mm-hmm. overcome her situation. But Eloise is defending and constantly trying to protect Sandy. Sandy. So, you know, the movie is making that effort of, well, if you support Andy or Eloise, you support Sandy. So it's weird. It, it's a weird thing. So you're siding with a serial killer. Yeah, pretty much. You're siding with the serial killer. And it, it's a weird way of going about it. It's a weird way. And I understand that the movie's also trying to sell you on this idea that Sandy's soul or previous self was killed when she became a prostitute. Yeah. Okay. So I, but again, that's figurative. I I don't know. There could be an argument for, well, she's basically getting raped every time. Like, it's hard. And I don't think the movie did a great job at navigating these waters. No, it does not do a good job of it. I don't think it was even concerned with navigating. It was just like, let's shock them. <laughs> yeah. It, that is the worst recipe for a mm. movie. When... You don't have something written that can shock an audience, so you have to just put something on, out of nowhere. You have mm-hmm. to pull something out of your ass mm-hmm. to try to shock the audience. That's what it felt like. Yeah, because it didn't feel coherent enough. Sandy over here stabbing her BF. Mm-hmm. Swiping at her going up the stairs with the knife. Poisoning Which her get out style. I, like, I found <laughs> kind of ridiculous that like, Diana Rigg oh my God was such a force at the end you know you're like, telling me Thomas and Mackenzie can't get it together enough to like shove her down the stairs kicker decker nothing nope apparently you're not. telling me a girl a healthy girl in her 20s can't get the jump on this old lady apparently not apparently well there was one little reason and it's because I guess she drugged her tea but even like that like it's still she was managing to get up the stairs exactly exactly so you're telling me she got no energy (laughs) okay okay well she was hallucinating (laughs) i guess i i I don't know what what was happening there it is so dumb it is so dumb then 
like it starts switching back and forth between Anya Taylor Joy and Diana Rigg. Yeah. At the end of the movie, I found that so annoying. So <laughs> annoying. Oh, so stupid. And then <laughs> Sandy decides, oh, save your save the boys, save yourself. Like get out of this raging inferno and I'll just stay here in this penthouse room. With all the bodies that are stashed away and hidden in the walls and shit. And just roast to death. It, it I'm was, not going to prison. They won't take me right, alive. They won't take me alive, pretty much. <laughs> uh, she did have that visual at the end of Anya Taylor-Joy sitting on the bed in a room that's on fire. Not a bad visual, but getting there made no sense. I told you guys before spoilers, the visuals are not the issue. It's literally the plot. Yeah. So if you want to be visually entertained, there's a lot of things in this movie that sure. are, are beautiful to look at. Yeah. Like, again, all of the 1960s sequences, the colors and the design is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, you, you mentioned in the movie that you hated her, but I think it was a necessary thing of just like pulling you from the movie, but in a good way. Jocasta? The girl, the roommate. Let's talk about Jacosta. Jacosta. Oh man! So she is the actual worst. She's terrible. She is. She's a the worst. Person. And every person who has gone to college has met a Jacosta, or if you haven't, you are the Jacosta. She's weaponizing her pain for gain. <laughs> To make yep. friends and look cool. Her mom died. Fuck leukemia. Like, it's just like everything is a hashtag. Everything is monetized. It's so annoying. She's terrible. Everything She's about her is person. fake. Yeah. <laughs> Completely terrible person. Yeah. Uh, just a And then there's one more character I want to talk about before we get out of here. Because uh, the movie, it feels like they make a late like it feels so late in the movie that they try to make this character relevant that just doesn't land. And it's the, it's the guy who goes to school with her. I I can't remember his name, uh, but they introduce him early. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. He's at the party at the beginning, but to make him an actual part of the plot, they don't really do that until pretty much the third act is about to begin. Mm-hmm. It, which I feel is too late to get someone involved. Mm-hmm. And okay, his character's name was John. John. It, very simple. But my my biggest question is, why was he so interested in Eloise? He says she's he's she's not like the other girls. <laughs> Whatever that means. Right. I don't know what that means. Because she said, movie. "I'm not like everyone else at the Halloween party." I think. I just want to be like everyone else. And he says, I'm glad that you're not. Yeah. But again, like the movie doesn't it's do such a very a good job. It's yeah, such it's a, a cliche. cliche. And then it almost seems like in the context of every other man being so awful in the movie that he is basically in there as like not all men like that argument. <laughs> yeah. Not because he's men. like so kind and uh, knows how to have fun, but also loves that she's like down to earth and like not really into the scene. And he's like about consent and all that stuff when they go back to her apartment. And it's like 
leave it at the door. Mixed reactions again. Yeah. Or sorry, mixed signals. <laughs> mixed signals. So yeah, this movie failed at a lot of things. It's so failed and it was selling itself so hard in the trailers and I was just like, ugh. It's hard when you walk out of the theater and you're like, the emperor wears no clothes. <laughs> wow, that is a line I haven't heard in a while. And I think that <laughs> might be the perfect line to walk out on this one. Yep. Uh, so that was our review of Last Night in Soho, uh, the new film by Edgar Wright, which for me is disappointing because I am an Edgar Wright fan. So uh, let us know your thoughts if you have seen the movie. Uh you can go ahead and check us out on social media to let us know at always critic pod. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Once again, that's at always critic pod. If you're not following us on your favorite social media app, that's where you would go. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. So you could go ahead and get our new episodes every single week. We are releasing every week, a new movie that comes out. We're reviewing it. Because next week we are going to be talking about the Eternals. So you definitely want to check that out because <laughs> who knows? We may have bland thoughts or it could just go careening one way or another. Who knows? <laughs> but check us out. Always the Critic Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Finally, if you are a fan of the show and already have done everything that we have told you to do, why don't you consider becoming a Patreon on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. It helps us continue to build this show. It helps out with costs, of course, because this is not free for us to do. Uh, we do have a website to maintain. We do have things that we do for this podcast. So any little bit helps for as little as $2 a month. You can support this show, be able to continue going forward and that is it that has been our episode on last night in soho i'm rico and i'm jessica and this has been the always the critic podcast